Welcome back. Hi. Are you ready to begin your session? As ready as I can be. We can always do this another time. Somehow I don't believe that. Let's go ahead. Did you get a chance to explore a little bit more today? Yes. Maya took me up to the rooftop gardens. Oh, lovely. It was unusual. I can imagine. Have you ever seen a tomato that large in your life? Even I'm surprised by it. I couldn't help but be thrown by it all. I'm so used to everything fitting into this narrow definition. It's hard to accept what I'm seeing as normal, even natural. I hope in time you can find the beauty in it. I hope so too. For now, it's a little overwhelming. It takes time. All this technology... Until recently, the most impressive thing I had seen was our local steam engine. Sophie and I would occasionally go out and watch it work. How often were you going out to see her at this point? Oh, about once or twice a week, I would say. We didn't have much in the way of schooling, and in the afternoon, if I didn't come back, the old woman who ran it just assumed someone found a job for me to do. So you would sneak off? We'd go out exploring. Sometimes we'd just sit and talk. My Uncle Axel says the old people must have had much better engines than this. Well, my father says that if one quarter of the things they say about the old people are true, then they must have been magicians, not real people at all. But they were wonderful. My father says they were too wonderful to be true. Doesn't he think they were able to fly, like people say? No, that's silly. If they could have, then we'd be able to. But there are lots of things they could do that we're just learning how to do again. Not flying. Things can either fly or they can't, and we can't. Tell me about Sophie's father. Mr. Wonder? He spent a lot of time away. But he was kind, though a little less warm than Mrs. Wonder. We had an unspoken understanding that we were on a man-to-man basis, though he did watch me with a wary eye when he thought I wasn't looking. Over time, though, we became friendly. He would talk to me about his trips to the neighboring towns, I was never sure of what it was he actually did, but he was very resourceful. I imagine he did a little bit of everything. He grew to trust you, even though you presented a danger to his family. Only later could I appreciate how badly troubled he must have been when he came home to find Sophie had sprained her ankle and that it had been David Storm, the son of Joseph Storm, of all people who had seen her foot. He must, I think, have been greatly tempted by the thought that a dead boy could break no promise. Perhaps Mrs. Wonder saved me. We haven't spoken about your home yet. Tell me about it. Your home life growing up. Get a bit more background. Sure. What would you like to know? This was a family homestead? Yes. Built by my grandfather. 
They say he moved out to Wachnock when he grew tired of the lax morals of Rigo. Rigo? Our capital city. Hmm. To be honest, compared to this, city is a relative term. Elias, my grandfather, said he could no longer stand the ways of Rigo. They had lost their way and strayed too far from the word of the Lord. That was why he had to leave the city for a simpler, more like-minded community. Though I've always been told his leaving may not have been entirely his choice. He was forced out? I never knew for sure. I've been told he had a way about him. This flash of fire behind the eyes. You sound like you admire him. In a way. He held a certain power and esteem with those who knew him. They say his weekly sermons were something to behold. He held such a respect for God that was really only matched by his fear of the devil. He was also famous for his eyebrows. Eyebrows? From what I'm told, they were quite bushy. I see. My father tried to live up to his example, though I doubt he rose to it. My father was a much colder man. Practical. Tell me about the house. How was it laid out? It was fairly chaotic, to be honest. Over time, with so many new additions and rooms, it lost all sense of form. One side meandered off into a mix of stables and storerooms. Different materials used at different times rendered it a fairly unattractive and cold home. Considering how important my family was, it was easily the largest in the district. Our fireplace was a point of pride. My mother saw to it that the great room was always kept clean and tidy. White walls, whitely scrubbed furniture. The nearest thing to decoration was a series of panels with sayings burnt into them artistically. Only the image of God is man. Keep pure the stock of the Lord. Blessed is the norm. In purity our salvation. And the largest of them all, watch thou for the mutant. Your father, Joseph, was the local preacher, you said? Yes. He took over the family business, as it was. Though he wasn't particularly well-loved among the community. He was in charge of the cleansings? Well, the inspector was above him, but my father kept a strict household. People used to say our deviation rates would be half if it wasn't for him. He was discerning when it came to offenses. What was that you said, boy? 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 Sorry, it's nothing. What was that you said, David? Pray. It's nothing. Next question. You mentioned offenses. Are these similar to abominations or deviations? I learned about offenses pretty early. They were a form of deviation. That was because the occurrence of an offense was sometimes quite an impressive occasion. Oh? You could usually tell when one occurred. Usually the first sign would be my father. He would storm in the house. His temper was normally pretty bad, but this was something else. In the evening, he would call us all together, including everyone who worked on the farm. We would all kneel while he proclaimed our repentance and led prayers for forgiveness. The next morning, we would all be up before daylight and gather in the yard. As the sun rose, we would sing a hymn while my father ceremonially slaughtered the two-headed calf, four-legged chicken, or whatever other kind of offense it happened to be. 
I'm sorry, did you say four-legged chicken? If we were lucky, it was a four-legged chicken. Sometimes it was much stranger. And it wasn't just the livestock. Sometimes there would be some odd stocks of corn, or some vegetables, tomatoes even. Sometimes it was just a matter of a few rows of vegetables. We would just pull the row. But if a whole field had gone wrong, we would wait for good weather, and then set fire to it, singing hymns while it burnt. It was beautiful. Tell me about your father's temper. Rebecca, I would rather not. David, what happened a minute ago was not an accident. You had a memory so strong that it broke through. Clearly, he is on your mind. What was that you said, boy? Father, I... Pray. David, what did you do to your hand? I got a splinter. It was bleeding. I, I bandaged it up. It's a mess. That will never hold. Let me tie that for you. Uh, could have managed all right by myself if I had another hand. What was that you said, boy? I, I said I couldn't manage to tie this for myself. And you wished you had a third hand. No, Father, I only said if I had You would be able to hand. tie it. If that was not a wish, what was it? I, I only meant if. You, my own son were calling upon the devil to give you another hand. But I wasn't. I, I only wished that boy. I... Everyone in this room heard you. You'll certainly make it no better by lying. But I wasn't... Were you or were you not expressing dissatisfaction with the form of the body God gave you? The form of his own image? I just said You it blasphemed, I... boy. You found fault with the norm. Everybody here heard you. What have you to say to that? You know what the norm is? The norm is the image of God. You do know, and yet, knowing this, you deliberately wished yourself a mutant. That is a terrible thing, an outrageous thing. You, my son, committing blasphemy, and before his parents. What is a mutant? A thing accursed in the sight of God and man. And that is what you wished to be. What have you to say? Kneel. Down on your knees. Kneel and pray. Lord, we have sinned in omission. We beg thy forgiveness that we have not better instruct this child in thy laws. We trust and believe in thy wisdom and thy glory. Amen. Father. Now go to your room and pray. Pray, you wretched boy, for a forgiveness you do not deserve, but which God in his mercy may yet grant you. I will come to you later. So that is your father. Yes. Rebecca, I I'm sorry. Don't apologize. I didn't mean for you to- Our memories are funny things. The worst moments stay with us forever, and yet a happy, peaceful day can slip away. Being a part of our people, being a part of a collective society, means keeping one's emotions in check. You'll learn. You are learning. It takes time, David. That night- for the first time, I dreamed they killed her. Sophie took a knife and slit her throat. If the Wenders had seen me that night, I think they would have felt a lot easier about me. It's strange now that she's gone. I've been seeing her die in my sleep my whole life. The Chrysalids by John Wyndham is licensed by Paper Line Limited. Copyright held by the estate of John Wyndham. 
adapted and directed for podcast format by James Mashavecchio. Series produced by Cave Theatre Company. Episode 2, Blessed is the Norm, produced by Daniela Benavides. Starring Arshia Paniker as the administrator. Alex Hetling as David. Daniela Benavides as Mary. Nicole Jorgensen as Sophie. And Christian Adam Jacobs as Joseph. Title music by John J. Kelly. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This podcast wouldn't exist without the support of our listeners. Your donations keep the lights on. If you would like to make a tax-deductible donation, check out the link in our show notes. Cave Theatre Company is a registered 501c3. Thank you.